Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, being privileged is not a problem, but if you're not taking advantage of your privilege and, and actually distributing your privilege to other people, then, you know, something's wrong. You're listening to Crazy Smart Asia, a podcast that explores the unexpected stories of Asia's disruptors. I'm your host, Tamara Leminiere. There's no consensus on exactly how many Asian jobs technology will make redundant over the next decade. But there is one thing that almost all experts can agree on. Our antiquated education systems are failing to prepare our children. Natalie Chan's startup, Own Academy, is working to fix that problem. Her programs for high school students help prepare children for the realities of the new economy. The platform offers what Natalie describes as Airbnb for career experiences, focusing on building skills that are relevant for the modern workplace. But change is never easy, and one of the biggest challenges she has faced has been convincing parents to try her new model. But not one for setting small goals, Own Academy is just the first part of Natalie's 30-year plan for an Asia-based education revolution. She shares her plan with Genty editor Lee Williamson, and along the way, they discuss everything from privilege, the power of mindset, to why Will I Am was the most memorable speaker at Davos. Here's their conversation. So, Natalie, before we get into the weeds on anything, um, can you tell me a bit about your personal journey? So you went from the corporate world to filmmaking uh, to then trying to redefine the future of education with Own Academy. Um, tell me a little bit about, about that journey. So I think growing up, I never really knew what I wanted to do. And I just kind of followed the path that my parents have laid out for me. So going to uh, a corporate world seemed like the natural pick because I have no idea where else I can go. So the kind of classic Asian route. Exactly, exactly. So it was only until then that I realized that, oh my God, this is not what I imagined life to be. And I've always wanted to do something that's more of impact or helping bridge the gap between the haves and the have-nots. So then after that, I decided that I want to somehow fix a problem. And I was like, what kind of problem can I fix? And I think uh, a big part of me was growing up, I've when I went to boarding school, I felt a lot of uh, racism and I experienced a lot of these like sexism and it just made me feel horrible as a person. And I just remember thinking that like, wow, I would never have felt like this in Hong Kong. And and how many more people would actually feel this way um, mm. as time goes on? And I just realized that I want to be part of helping people not felt not feel the way that I felt. Mm -hmm. So that was like, I need to solve a big problem is to help people understand that, you know, don't just judge people by from the outside, but judge people from getting to know them better. Where did that lead to you two at first? So I think first that led me to just wanting to un get to know more people because I kind of had my understanding of what human beings are like. And I just want to know more about people's culture. And I just 
decide to just meet different people in, in university and then start traveling a lot. And I would backpack around um, uh, Europe and, and uh, Mongolia and just meeting people that are from very different backgrounds, but yet they reconnect so deeply as a human. Mm-hmm. So then I think that gave me this inspiration of wanting to go into education because I felt that education was really how people start forming their own ideas and start building their characters. Big time. There's a certain amount of like when you... I don't know, like when you format a person's hard drive, like in that, in that exactly. early stage, like they're so crucial. And then once you formatted it a certain way, it's kind of no going back, right? Precisely. Um, so tell us, uh, for those that might not be familiar with Own Academy, uh, your current startup, um, tell me, uh, what is the company? What do you do? What's your, what's your mission? So Own Academy, I called it Own because I wanted to help empower young people to take ownership over their own lives. Because from my own personal experience, I just felt like I never really had control. I just kind of let people tell me what to do. And that got me to a dead end where I was so unhappy. So wanting to build this company to really empower that ownership, because I think the moment that you take control, that is when things make sense to you. That is when you have a clear direction. That is when you're resilient and that you're ready to face any type of challenges. Mm. So Own Academy's mission is really to connect the education world to the real world, to the corporate world or professional world. And we want to inspire students to understand there's so many more options and possibilities in the world than what your parents may tell you, what schools may tell you, what society may tell you. So really it's about um, giving uh, students the, more of an age agency over their own choices and the ability to kind of curate the skills they want to build. Is that right? Absolutely. And I mean, for the, we started Own Academy in 2016 and we've been very offline and it's all about finding inspiring professionals to teach students their skills and their knowledge. And going forward, we want to bring this online. So we want to really create like an Airbnb experiences, but for career specifically. Mm. So... Really, it's about building a talent pipeline uh, for the the next generation. So let's get into the weeds for a moment. I mean, what kind of jobs of tomorrow should we be training people for and what jobs are at risk? Frankly, I think it's quite hard to be training people for the future that because there's so many jobs that you don't know what's going to happen. Mm. Of course, digital skills is definitely one of them because there's so much automation that's being happened or there's so much digital transformation that is happening. So having digital skills is definitely a number one key skill, especially with COVID-19 right now. It's you can see that like education, traditional education is not able to adapt because some teachers actually don't even know how to use Zoom properly. Right. So I think digital skills is definitely for sure. But I think more importantly, it's really to train students on how to have compassion and how to understand how do you solve problems as they come and how do you navigate uncertainty? Because mm. I think in the school world, everything is so set for you. Everything is structured. You know when you're going to do classes. But in the real world, you have to navigate so much ambiguity. And we need to train students in understanding how to do that. Right. So it's not so much we need to train kids less, um, I don't know, geography and more AI. It's about a change of mindset. Absolutely. Change your mindset and also to understand how people think and how people may look very different from you, but they actually care about the same thing. Right. And you focus mostly on secondary school students. Is that right? That, why, why is that? Is it because most people aren't focusing on their employment at that at that age? I mean, I, for one, uh, certainly didn't start to think about jobs until maybe the final year of university. Uh, is that why you, you, you target that age range? I target them mostly because I think on the university segment, there's already a lot of support and there's a lot of exposure and experiences that students can approach. But on the secondary level, a lot of it is based on 
I mean, I know the students who have internships is very dependent on whether the parents have connections in Asia, mm. and I want to democratize that access because I think the more ga- experiences you gain, the more you understand what you want to do and what you don't want to do. What does success look like for you right now? Well, success definitely changes every year for me. But at this moment, um, I see myself on a 30-year journey when it comes to creating an education revolution. And I see every three years as a cycle of iteration. So the past three years is really more R&D. And this next three years is really, okay, I now understand what actually works and what doesn't work. And for us, we're very focused on change. So the way that we see success is how do we actually make change within the school calendar. What that means is um, we have this program where we find professionals, uh, passion professionals, and we bring them into schools to teach during a school day. And school days are so precious, as we all know, like schools have curriculums that they need to follow. So the fact that schools are able to work with us and give us the time in their school calendar is very valuable. So we got that done in the first three years. And so the you, second... So you don't want to, you've never wanted to burn the system down from the ground up like you or you work with schools right now is the plan to always work with schools i think in the very beginning i was definitely wanting to be like i want to reform education you know i want to burn this whole system down when i realized that was a very naive thought and i've learned that through many you know hitting my head against a lot of the walls and i was like okay let me let me backtrack a little bit and let mm-hmm. me rethink and think and that's when i realized i cannot reform education because there's just way too many stakeholders involved but what i can do is to build a new education ecosystem that becomes a new norm or that becomes something that can be supplemental to the existing education system right i see so, sorry, you were saying um, the next three years looks yes. like the first three years was R and D. The next three years looks like looks like what? Yeah. So the next three years is where we want to be able to create the largest network of professional teachers as well as students. So we want to be able to bring to school really trained professionals that once you want to teach students to empower their their ambition Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where the the airbnb model comes in is like how do we allow for students to easily book who they want to learn from uh in a live online format as well as a pre-recorded format Mm. there'll always be a section of society uh where parents are have the resources and the motivation to like help their kids and to give them extra resources like traditionally it was like a tutor now there's many different options they they can go to an airbnb of educational experiences but then there's, there'll always be that much larger you know uh section of people who maybe their parents don't have the money or the motivation to help them out with that um what do you think own can do or uh society can do to kind of help lift those those kids up that don't have the resources and the access to to things that will help their education so i think that how well you do in school is no longer a determinator of how successful you are going to be in life in fact i think that it actually goes the opposite way mm. the better you do in school it actually gives you it, it draws you further away from the reality of how the world actually works. I actually speak to a lot of employers, and a lot of times they tell me that the best candidates that come from universities are not from the top universities, but are from like the lower tier universities. Because why is that? Because because from the top universities, they've been groomed in this mindset that academia and like the way that they've gotten to these universities make them feel kind of boosted their ego a lot, and they would come out of university thinking that they're too good for an entry level job. And that they're ready to be on the manager level because all their life people have told them how amazing they are and that they're getting into these best schools in the top tier of that. And then they become unemployable because they don't have the actual mindset to work 
from the bottom, basically. But yet, from the lower level school, a、uh, lower tier schools, then they're much more hungrier and they're much more humble. And these are the people that all employers want to work with. It's like the ones who want to learn. When you're already so smart, people may, you may not think that I, I, you don't, you can't teach me anything anymore.、Mm. So I think there's a little bit of a cockiness when it comes to some of these. And of course, I'm generalizing. Sure. Do you think so? Do you think the level, the playing field is leveling a little bit because of the. Uh, the way work is changing, I think it's definitely、uh, leveling a little bit. But I think more importantly for the under-resourced、um, uh, students, the more important,、uh, the most important thing to do is actually to gain as much experience as you can, and to just work、uh, as part-time jobs and do all these because. The more privileged students, they don't do, do part-time jobs. At least most of them that I don't know. Like、mm-hmm. most of them that I know, they do not have part-time jobs.、Right. So the way to to really like get ahead of the rest of the、um, kind of population of students is really to show how unique you are. And as an employer, I like to see that students have had various experiences, and you can actually understand what is work like because work is tough. And like you know, school world is actually a lot easier when you compare to the work world. Yeah, so I think we all find out、uh, quite abruptly when we enter the world of work, isn't it, that we don't realize how easy we've had it、uh, exactly. for, the, for the past fifteen <laughs>、yes. years.、Um, and thirty years is quite specific. Was it always a thirty-year goal, or has that <laughs> changed over time?、Um, I think I, I came with the thirty years because I look at the different、uh, educational models、uh, from. The oldest that we know, such as like Montessori、um, and like Waldorf, they actually came from over a hundred years ago. And then the most kind of recent big one that's going really mainstream is the IB, and that was about sixty years ago. And these are all actually from the Western world as well. And so I think like you know, going forward with the speed of everything, I think I can. Possibly make one happen in within thirty years to make、mm-hmm. it mainstream. So I'm thinking like thirty years as like the point of mainstream coming up,、mm-hmm. and I really want Own Academy to be lead the effort in Asia because I think there's so many educational models that are always referenced from the West, but there's actually nothing that's coming from the East that can be exported back to the West. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code Listen to get fifty dollars off your purchase of five hundred dollars or more. That's code Listen at BlueNile.com for fifty dollars off. BlueNile.com code Listen. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Right. What about、um, uh, Khan Academy? So that's huge, right? In terms of online learning, that came from the U.S.、Um, has that been a real proof of concept for any everybody working in the future of education that like there's a real appetite for people to learn skills? I think Khan Academy is amazing. The fact that it's one of the early start, like the, one of the very f- first、uh, big education companies that came about, and and they're doing everything for free. I think the only thing with Khan Academy is that they focus so much on the academic side, whereas like with Own Academy, we really want to focus on the non-academic. So everything we do is non-academic. It's about the real world. It's about connecting to professionals. It's about learning the skills and looking into what job opportunities there are. So I think there's a very big difference in there. So I think the the future will need to be much more in. Industry driven rather than academic driven. 
So basically, I find professionals that I'm inspired by, and then I turn them into teachers. So right now, we work with uh, filmmakers, music producers, like game designers, comedians, um, uh, architecture, uh, graphic designers, like social media specialists. So it's really people that have a very dynamic. I, I kind of find people with charisma first. So um, a bit of a gear change, Natalie. You're a member of the World Economic Forum's Global Shapers Program. Um, last year, you were selected as one of 50 uh, of their young leaders to attend Davos. What was that like, uh, first off? Um, I think I still remember receiving that email that I got accepted into it. And I was like, mm, I think I got spammed. <laughs> and I just could not believe it, frankly, because right. I would never think that I would be able to be selected, first of all. So I, I would say that this is a beyond my dreams come true type of experience. Mm -hmm. And when I was there, it was frankly probably one of the most like, overwhelming experience ever, considering I you, you're in the midst of kind of all the world leaders and business leaders coming together in this one congress center. Did anything totally meet or totally defy your expectations? It was just so cool because I think the craziest takeaway there is like you see all these people that you normally see in like news and like in, in newspaper and, and media and then you're thinking like, wow, they've worked so hard and they're so smart and they're all there and now I'm actually right there next to them. I think it's just the idea that I can also be that someday. It was a really kind of like a confidence boost and to be like, you know, I can, I need to work harder. I need to work smarter. And I know that someday, hopefully I can also be invited there again. Yeah. Amazing. Um, what was a key, uh, any other key learnings beyond that? Um, was I it like think, a particular talk or yeah, session. I was, there was just I was frankly in like an information overload when I was there, but I think the one thing that really stuck with me was actually a talk that we had with a uh, Will I Am the rapper, <sighs> and uh, the one phrase that he said was like you know having privilege is not a problem, but like not using privilege to help others is a big problem. And mm. I don't think he phrased it that way, but I couldn't remember the exact words. Let me, no, it's nicely phrased. Yeah. So like he said, so the, the message was that, right? He, cause he, he was talking about his own upbringing where he came from like nothing. And then now he's like a, you know, a mega star. And of course, a lot of people will look at him and be like, Oh, now you're so privileged. But then he's like, you know, being privileged is not a problem. But if you're not taking advantage of your privilege and, and actually distributing your privilege to other people, then, you know, something's wrong. Mm. So that really stuck with me. Cause I think that, you know, I, I know I come from a privileged background and I always want to be able to help other people. And I think that was kind of like a, wow, that's a great sentence. And I want to keep spreading that to my peers. Kudos to Will I Am for being in a room with like Angela Merkel and, you know, the exactly. world's biggest Jacinda Ardern and the world's biggest, most respected leaders. And he came out with a quote of the, the yeah. Black Eyed Peas guy yes. was the guy who nailed it. Exactly. <laughs> Kudos to him. Your partner, Tony Verb, um, your partner in love, I should say, uh, rather than business and crime, is also an entrepreneur. Uh, he's on the Gen T list as well. Um, Maintaining a healthy relationship while also dedicating yourself entirely to a company is no mean feat, particularly when the both of you, um, you know, are kind of pulled two ways between like your, your professional ambitions and, and obviously, and, you know, maintaining a relationship. So any tips? There's a lot of people in the Gen T community who, who, who have to do a similar juggling act. How do you guys make it work? Frankly, I think Tony is probably one of the most inspiring and empowering person I know. And I say that, I say this objectively, not as a girlfriend, but just as seeing how he operates and how he works with people. So to have him as my partner is definitely the most inspiring and that he always encourages me and he always gives me 
better tips and like coaches me along the way. So I think to be entrepreneurs is not an easy um, journey. And the fact that we're both entrepreneurs and very ambitious in what we want to achieve is also something that is probably very hard to find in in a relationship sometimes. So I think that we are very, we have a very symbiotic relationship. And I think the one thing that makes us work is that we're always willing to take criticism from each other. Mm. Is that because we know that we come from a good place when we say that, hey, you can do better in this way, that we're always taking it very um, objectively. Mm. And I think that's really something that we learn from each other all the time. We have this daily routine where every day we come back from work and we ask each other what is your highest point of the day and what is your lowest point of the day and what is it what is it that you learned that day so we're always in this learning relationship and like we're always in this kind of like up and ebbs and flows like we have we somehow our lives have synchronized with each other where we're always experiencing the highs in our lives together in the same week or we when we have like the lows we always experience that together at the same time so it's like a mutual support system you're both going sometimes going through the same stuff helps you process with it and deal with it you say that he brings you gives you inspiration and support what do you bring him do you think i think i ground him and i think i give him a very different perspective in life because i think the way that i look at life is always with a more positive spin and i'm always thinking things in a more flowery way Mm -hmm. and he was just like i would never have thought of it that way Mm -hmm. so i think the perspective is something i bring to him like different co-founders you need to you need to bring different things to the table as well as the same relationship and he's for sure a co-founder of own academy because he definitely helped instigated the whole thing and i call him a secret co-founder so natalie what's been the hardest lesson you've learned so far on your journey the hardest lesson that i've learned is that change takes time especially with education and that you have to have so much patience and so much grit to to push anything forward and i think i i I didn't underestimate the toughness of entrepreneurship going into it but i definitely did not realize the the deep kind of like rooted problems that would really require years and years in order to make change were there times when you felt like quitting um, I definitely have had times where I'm like, why am I in this? But then I'll always kind of like pull myself back out and ask and tell myself that what and ask myself, what else can I do? Or what else would I want to do? And there's absolutely nothing else I would want to do. So you've made it very clear that, you know, you consider it a very long road ahead to before you can finally say I've been successful at reshaping education. Um, but still, a lot of people uh, you know, would already consider your achievements a big success and have worked very hard and still and haven't got to the level that you're at today. Um, so the question I want to ask you, I asked everybody on the podcast, which is what do you think is the difference that's got you to where you are today when there's maybe thousands of others who have tried similar ventures in vain? Well, first of all, I would say that I'm far from successful. Um, I I think I, I still always see myself as I just started. And I think one thing that I always keep to myself is that I never want to let any ego kind of overcome because I've, you know, we're featured in different things. And like, you know, I don't ever want to come across like that. I think for me, it's always about like, how do I keep learning? Because I think there's so much out there. And I think for me, it's always about making connections with people as well. And how do I find value across different stakeholders? And how can I always ensure that I'm not just asking you for all these things, but I want to give back to mm. you as well? Always feeling like you're constantly starting out. Is that imposter syndrome at play? Possibly, possibly. 
I, I just think that, um, I just think that like the more I go into this business and the more I go into this industry, the more I don't know. And I think that like I always come from like I don't know anything. So I think maybe that's when I'm a little bit more vulnerable and it seems more easier for people to engage. Mm, right. So then people want to help you more. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. If you go into any room saying I know all the answers, then that's all you're ever going to know in life because no one's ever going to willingly give you new information mm-hmm. either because they think you're going to shoot them down or because they think you're not worth their time. Yeah. Um, oh, I think, sorry, one, mm. like, again, add one more. And I think one thing that I, I would, that I think I got feedback from, from my team as well, that they were kind of surprised is how much I'm willing to get my hands dirty still. Right. And I think that's probably a big part that I would say is that I'm still willing to, you know, sweat it out and go and move boxes if I need to, or I'll still go and like, you know, teach a class if I need to. I just, I, I would just be able to step in whenever is needed. Like I wouldn't always be, be like, I'm too good for that now. I think that's such a classic hallmark of good leadership, right? Is never sending someone to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. Um, what do you see as other like classic hallmarks of, of, of strong leadership? Um, I think I still need to learn how to be a leader, frankly, but I think, um, ones that I really, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts to try to learn how to be good at management, but I would say the best leaders are those that really understand your team's strength and not micromanaging and giving them the room to flourish mm. and grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what, so you've made a lot of decisions on your journey so far. What's been the most important that you've made, you think, thus far? Aside from the decision to quit the corporate life, after that, what's been the most important decision that's got you to where you are thus far on your journey? Um, is to never compromise on your values. I think being in corporate was very much compromising my values. And I think ever since then, I just told myself that I want to never be put in a position where I don't feel like I, I can be my true self. Um, the, University, good university, corporate job, and then, oh, this isn't for me, entrepreneurship route. It's such a common one. And most people are just like, I went into corporate for a couple of years. It wasn't for me. And they often don't have many good things to say about it. Um, do you have anything good to say about it? Did you learn anything from that time? Were there things that you take away that are still with you now in terms of experiences or, or, or relationships or anything that you built? Oh, absolutely. I I would not be who I am today if I didn't have my corporate uh, training. I think I'm super grateful for it because it allowed me to see what the big world is like. You know, being in corporate, you know, there's structure, there's like uh, presidents, there's like history of how things were done. And all this is actually very valuable when it comes to understanding how to structure everything when you become an entrepreneur. Mm. So I would not give up my corporate experience for an entrepreneurship experience. And I, in fact, I actually tell a lot of uh, young people who just have this idea that they want to like be an entrepreneur. And I was like, no, 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 work in a big company first and understand how things work before you start it. Because entrepreneurship sounds amazing, but it actually is so difficult to be successful in. Right. You got to do a bit of corporate espionage first and figure out what you're trying to disrupt before you go exactly. and disrupt it. <laughs> exactly. That's it for another episode of Crazy Smart Asia. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And please do leave us a rating and review while you're there. 
Genty connects young leaders across Asia. And if you know someone who would resonate with these stories and take something from them, please do share the podcast and help bring them into our growing community of changemakers. You can also follow Generation T on Instagram. We're at at Generation T underscore Asia and Facebook. And check out our website, GenerationT.Asia, for more on the people, businesses, and ideas shaping Asia's future. See you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.